from WNYC Studios. I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Monday, February 12th. This week begins in national politics with some things you probably have heard about regarding President Biden, and at least one thing you may not have heard about regarding former President Trump. At a campaign rally in South Carolina on Saturday, Trump actually encouraged Russia to attack NATO nations, our NATO allies, even France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. What? The context was Trump's insistence that NATO countries meet the goal in the NATO obligation uh, to obligation agreement to spend 2% of their annual budgets on defense. That's a legitimate issue. Countries not meeting it include Canada, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. But Trump said if they don't increase the defense spending to that threshold, the U.S. would not help defend them if Russia attacks. And the even more astonishing part, the part that would have made much more news if we weren't becoming numb to Trump's making common cause with authoritarians who support him, was when he actually encouraged, he used the word encourage, any country, presumably Russia, you'll hear the context, to do so with no U.S. response. Here it is. They asked me that question. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. Yeah, it was actually that. It was actually that stark. Trump encouraging Russia, actually by name, not even by implication, to attack our NATO allies if they're not spending a certain amount of money on defense, Trump at a campaign rally in South Carolina on Saturday. As for Biden, he continues to try to limit fallout from the classified document special counsel report that questioned his mental acuity and keep the focus on his accomplishments in office. And he is more openly criticizing Israel's devastating military campaign in Gaza now, but with the urgency of the coming assault in Rafah, with respect to civilians, will Biden do anything about it? And then there's what USA Today calls the meltdown in the House of Representatives last week, with Speaker Mike Johnson losing back-to-back votes to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and Johnson's version of an aid to Israel bill. With us now, the person who wrote that article, USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page, her latest article published yesterday, that includes that reference to the meltdown in the House, is also about Biden and Trump election campaign developments. She is the author of a new book coming out in April. We'll have her back for a book interview about TV journalist Barbara Walters. Susan, always good to have you. Welcome back to WNYC. Hey, Brian, it's always good to be with you. Your article yesterday did reference that Trump line encouraging attacks by Russia on NATO allies that don't spend their full 2% on defense. Is anyone in Washington reacting to the implications of that for the United States or democracy anywhere in the world? Or does everybody just shrug when Trump says things like this now? Well, I think there's a partisan divide. I think Democrats are reacting, calling it dangerous uh, and perilous and an example uh, of why Donald Trump should not be elected to another term in office. But from Republicans here, including some Republicans who are very much in the more establishment 
wing of the party when it comes to foreign policy. There was mostly just a big drug. We heard Marco Rubio, the, the Florida senator who is the ranking Republican on the Senate Intelligence Committee, say he had zero concern about what Trump said because he said, this is just Trump talking. This is just how he talks. But I saw that that quote uh, of Rubio, and it was in your article, and Rubio said he has zero concern because that's just how Trump talks. But he also said there has to be an alliance. And (laughs) those two things are inconsistent. If he supports an alliance, NATO alliance, he can't support Trump's cavalier threat to end the alliance. And, you know, Trump increasingly is being seen as somebody who means what he says when he says these outrageous things or things that many people, you know, receive as outrageous. Um, But then before he was president, uh, people who say, well, he'll be a normal president Well, uh, when, uh, when in office, um, you know, and <laughs> I think we can say that was uh, not consistently the case. But coming yeah, from Marco right. Rubio, who comes from the Florida Cuban community that so values the U.S. standing up to dictators for human rights, can't Rubio say what he really thinks of Trump as a threat if he runs U.S. foreign policy? unless he really doesn't think Trump means what he says. You know, I think it's an example, not that people don't think Trump means what he says. I think we've all come to the conclusion that Trump means what he says. Uh, I think it's more an example of the takeover, the Trump takeover of the Republican Party, because those who have in the past spoken up against uh, Trump on this and other issues are mostly no longer in office. Uh, you know, if you look at the at the Republicans who are in Washington now, uh, they have, uh, I think, mostly concluded that it is a dangerous thing to speak up uh, against uh, against Trump on these issues, even if your beliefs are different. And even if you're working behind the scenes uh, to implement some other policies we see now in the Senate, Senate Republicans working toward aid to Ukraine in a kind of bipartisan way even as Trump is speaking out against it. But uh, standing up to Trump is something that very, very few Republicans are now willing to do. Um, And by the way, Susan, oh, look at this, Susan. Somebody just texted, happy birthday, Susan Page. Is (laughs) Is that an accurate reference? It is. It is my birthday. And there's no one I'd rather celebrate it than you and than with you and your listeners, Aww. Brian. But what are you really going to do later? Are you at liberty to say? Well, we had a uh, a combination Mardi Gras uh, Super Bowl birthday party with my family last night. So we, we celebrated then. That is really great. Um, yeah, I didn't even mention Mardi Gras. I said Lunar New Year, uh, mm-hmm. but, but also Mardi Gras. So um, that's so many things to celebrate all at once, <laughs> especially if you're a Chiefs fan. Are you a Chiefs fan? Oh, you you bet. You know, I was born and raised in Wichita, so the Chiefs are sort of in the neighborhood. So do you think, this is not what I thought we were going to talk about today, but do you think there is any reason to believe that Taylor Swift, especially Mm -hmm. now that uh, her boyfriend's team won the Super Bowl and so they can be winners and not losers, um, 
can have an impact on the presidential election. I know there's this weird conspiracy theory theory going around that I don't know what was it they were going to get engaged on the field yesterday and it was all being orchestrated by the NFL in cahoots with the Biden campaign. I mean, that's just crazy tunes. But if she decides to get politically involved, I think we can be pretty confident it would not be on Trump's side. Can Taylor Swift, as as huge as she is, matter in this election at all? Well, she is pretty uh, amazing. Uh, I've got to say we're all Swifties now. Um, you know, there's one way in which I think it's it's something I, it's possible she would do. You know, she's in the past encouraged people to vote, encouraged young people in particular to vote. I think, and we when she did that, it seemed to have an effect in turning out, uh, convincing uh, some of her fans to vote when maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. And that could be a really positive and not a particularly partisan way she could help our democracy. So I hope she does that. Um, so back to Trump and the Republican Party and the Ukraine vote you mentioned a minute ago. Does Trump saying that thing about Russia should attack or encouraging Russia to attack NATO allies if they don't pay enough money for defense line up with increasing Republican reluctance to fund Ukraine as the American GOP is actually becoming more aligned with Putin than with Western Europe? And that will be actionable if Trump wins the election? Yeah, I mean, Trump has long uh, praised Putin, admired Putin, been unwilling to challenge Putin. So I think that you could see that to absolutely have an effect on U.S. uh, support for Ukraine um, in its in its war with Russia. And the, the other way in which Trump could have an impact here is just his general America first foreign policy that envisions a world in which the United States kind of withdraws from from being the leader in supporting Ukraine or being even a reliable partner in the NATO alliance, uh, although it seems quite stunning to say that as a serious prospect. But I think you would have to conclude that if Trump is elected, uh, that the NATO partnership would no longer view the United States the same way it's viewed it since the alliance was formed. I want to read some texts that are coming in. Listener writes, I have family in Europe who grew up in the shadow of the USSR during the Cold War. America's threat was hypothetical compared to theirs, given their proximity, meaning the Soviet Union's. Trump's statements are frightening beyond belief. Haven't we learned that we need to believe him when he says outrageous things? Thank you. And happy birthday, Susan, she throws in here, (laughs) Anna in Brooklyn. Um, and then here's here's a couple of uh, interesting ones on, um, a, you know, a certain aspect of this. Listener writes, I find it ironic that Donald Trump insists on NATO allies paying their bills when he is renowned for not paying his. And another one like that. Funny that Trump talks about allies paying their bills when he's been reputed to be a deadbeat himself, including in stiffing his friend Giuliani. So I, I, I don't know if that's just my creative listeners or if any Democrats uh, in Washington are making that comparison. No, that's, I, have, I have, haven't heard that, but uh, but that is an interesting point to make. You know, there's there's one Republican who has been criticizing uh, Trump on his NATO comments, and that's that's Nikki Haley, who, of course, is the last person standing uh, between him and the Republican nomination. And, and she may be 
history by the by the South Carolina primary later this month. But she, but she has quite uh, forcefully articulated what you think of as the Republican view, the view of say Ronald Reagan and George H W Bush and George W Bush and and the Republicans uh, in recent history. Uh, but she is a pretty lonely voice. Here is, uh, let's see, Maeve in the Bronx. You're on WNYC. Hi, Maeve. Oh, hi. Thanks so much for having me. Um, So I think that um, Trump's comments about encouraging Russia to attack, um, it's kind of the perfect snapshot of why Democrats can't really nail him down and Republicans um, still stick with him because He's hitting on an issue of what are the consequences for NATO members that don't comply with the agreement, right? And that's kind of an outstanding open question that remains after his comments. And my fear is that Democrats are only going to focus on the outrage of him encouraging Russia to attack and aren't really going to address kind of the core point, which is what do we do with our allies that aren't really with us? Um, in practice, not paying the defense fees. Susan? Well, you know, Amav, this is, uh, it's interesting that, that what the what Trump said, which has sparked, as you say, outrage in some quarters, actually resonates, I think, with, uh, with many of his supporters, just generally with his supporters. The idea that he's calling out allies who have not met um, their obligation or their the expectation of what they're going to contribute to NATO defenses. Uh, that's something that Republicans and Democrats have talked about in the past, although not with the threat that uh, that that Trump gave. And the idea that he's like willing to say uh, outrageous things or things that are other people might just think but not think uh, were politically correct or uh, maybe wise to say out loud. That's that's always been part of Trump's appeal, uh, that willingness to be uh, outrageous and outspoken. So I don't doubt that this is not hurting. This is not hurting him with his own base. This is helping him with his base. Maeve, thank you very much. And Mike in South Orange uh, may be part of that base or at least point out that Trump is at least right on the issue, perhaps. Mike, you're on WNYC. Thank you for calling in. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to point out that why is it up to the U.S. taxpayer to pay for all these other nations' defense? Why should it be our burden and not them also contributing an equal an equal amount per their GDP, right? It's a legitimate question. Uh, and so, as you were saying, Susan, Trump has latched onto this issue, and he's kind of, you know, taken it beyond the moon. But what what about the issue? I mean, I'm sure a lot of listeners who are unfamiliar with the underlying issue here, think, well, what is this NATO obligation that all the NATO members have agreed to? And why aren't they living up to it? You know, the U.S. spends so much money on defense, a lot more than Democrats in many cases would like to see it spend on the military. Um, Why can't Italy do their share? Germany do their share. Uh, Spain do its share. Canada even is on that list of not meeting the 2%. Yeah, fair, fair, fair point, and uh, and Trump's point. Um, the and Trump's hard line uh, would surely encourage uh, NATO allies to think about meeting that two percent mark. 
that they're they're supposed to meet, and many of them have have not met. I think you do want to then ask. One reason it's been hard to pressure, I think, NATO allies, some NATO allies to meet that mark, is the thought of lack of consequences, the belief that the United States would be there in an emergency in a case of a Russian invasion, whether they do or not. Uh, So this is surely, uh, uh, you know, Trump supporters can think of this as the kind of leverage that can force them to deliver. But it is also one that undermines confidence in the United States to live up to its word about what the alliance means and what the United States is willing to do in the case of an attack on a NATO ally. And there are there are consequences to that as well. So we're out of time. Um, one more time, happy birthday. I will say that, that one listener, once she heard the reference to your birthday, oh, I'm just going to let her on the air. Wait, Robin in the Bronx, you're on WNYC. Hi, Robin. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you for taking the call. <laughs> yes, my remark was simply that um, it is, in addition to the Super Bowl and Mardi Gras and Susan's birthday, most importantly, <laughs> it's Lincoln's birthday. And nothing is more important than that at this time when democracy is being so tested. Robin, thank you very much. Yeah, you were born. I guess you know that you were born on the same day as same day of the year as Abraham Lincoln, uh, and I'm sure you know that once upon a time the United States celebrated Lincoln's birthday and George Washington's birthday, February 22nd, as second separate holidays. They were days off from school, and everything. And uh, and now they they folded Lincoln. They folded both of them into President's Day, so there could be a three day weekend. Robin, I can say it's always been a point of pride to me to share a birth date. Um, with Abraham Lincoln, and I completely agree uh, with your statements about that great president. And if I don't talk to you before, Susan, I'll talk to you in April when your book on Barbara Walters comes out. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Brian. Me too. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.